to the place right now, if you vote Democrat, I don't even want you around this church. You can get out. You can get out, you demon. You can get out, you baby butchering election thief. You cannot be a Christian and vote Democrat in this nation. I don't care how mad that makes you. You get pissed off as you want to. You cannot be a Christian and vote Democrat in this nation. They are God-denying demons that butcher babies and hate this nation. They hate this nation. Get mad all you want to. I don't care if you stand. I don't care if you throw tomatoes, praise God. I'm about to throw a microphone up in his house. CNN can eat my dirty socks. You cannot be a Democrat and a Christian. You cannot. Somebody say amen. Damn, I'm glad I didn't peek in high, high school. Because my best days would be in the past. I know, I know, I know, I know. Looking back, it ain't all bad. But damn, I'm glad I didn't peek in high, high school. Hey, everyone. Welcome to Unlearning Youth Group for the podcast where we take a look at all the things we learned back in youth group. Find the good, unlearn the bad, and figure out where the heck we go from here. We haven't met. My name is Jonathan Crone, and we're joined, as always, by our co-host, Mr. Eric Williams. Eric, go ahead and say hey to the people. Oh, man. That first clip was uh, <laughs> fire. That fired me up. In fact, <laughs> it reminds me of a quote from Andy Stanley where he talks about Jesus. He says, he's so red, he's so blue. It's amazing how often he agrees with you. Oh, gosh. <laughs> So if you don't know, that uh, opening rant was from a quote-unquote pastor geez. in Tennessee named Greg Locke. And uh, if you've been around this Christian nationalist, which we'll get into <laughs> next week, like this world at all, you've heard Greg Locke. If you haven't, I'm sorry for introducing you to him, but he is the worst of the worst. He- and I uh, chose you- that clip. Go ahead. Have you seen on on – social media there's this like movement of people that claim that his church is a bunch of like npcs or fake people because like even people in tennessee are like okay does anybody know anybody that actually attends this church it's like an online you know clip manufacturing propaganda machine more than an actual church that people go to so they show clips of the crowd occasionally and there's a couple hundred people in there but they're in a tent and yeah I well, you you and I talked about, you and I talked about this before, I think, but it's like he would not exist without social media because it's Correct. clips like that that give him uh, notoriety and have people know him. But as far as who actually attends his church, eh, we don't know. But I think what we're going to talk about today is the the things he talks about um, are people agree with all across all across the nation, and that's bad. Yeah, and that's why. I chose him as bad as he is. But if you're new with us this season, before we get into the show, we're trying to do this little intro each week so that you know what we're about, what we're not about. So quickly, this season's not about trying to convince you how to vote a certain way. It's not about telling you why you should vote for one party or the other. And it's not shaming you into feeling guilty about who you voted for in the past or who you plan to vote for in the future. Instead, we're about looking at how some topics have been co-opted by politicians who have used the church for political gain. We are about showing how there are issues Christians must care about while acknowledging the liberty we have to come to different conclusions on how to best fix those issues. And we're about reframing the role of politics within our Christian worldview. Hmm. So with that out of the way, today we're talking about Republicans, Democrats, and the tribalism that comes with that. Hmm. And on the end 
I just want to say that I want to acknowledge this. We mentioned it last week, but most people listening to this show come from a conservative evangelical or conservative fundamentalist background. You think that's fair to say, Eric? Yeah, yeah. I think uh, whether they are now or not, they've at least grown up in that in that perspective. Yeah, that's the, that's what we were raising it on this show. We look at the way we were raised, but look at how it's impacting who we are today. So yeah. there are layers to the conservatism, but I think most would agree that they were raised with a center right to right background. And so if that's you, you're going to, this is going to feel right at home. If that wasn't you, then hang out with us for a little bit and we'll try to uh, keep you in the loop as well. We're but- sorry. If that wasn't you, we're sorry. Cause we're going to give you a view of, of what it looked like or to pull back the curve of what the bit. other side actually looks like. I don't think growing up that I heard anyone say things as explicitly as that Greg Locke rant. But at one point in time, I know I was told you can't be a Democrat and Christian at the same time. I could probably go look at Facebook comments left on my Facebook and pull some people yeah. who have told me it's impossible to be a Democrat and a Christian. I think, I think, I would agree with you to the fact that like I never heard it in a public platform officially like that, like a Greg Locke or a pastor speaking it from, from a, a pastor, so a right. person of Christian influence. But you would hear it in, you know, like in the line at the potluck afterwards on Sunday, you know, uh, 9-11 happens and all of a sudden it's like you wouldn't hear anybody outwardly talk about how racist they were against uh, anybody, uh, you know, from Iraq or Afghanistan. Yeah. Anybody who was brown in the middle East or, or that, but it was like, you'd start to hear it in line. You'd hear it after the Bible study, not during the Bible study. It was kind of like when all of us kind of took off our Christian, you know, our church hats and we just became regular people, uh, you would hear it sprinkled in. At least that was my experience. Yeah. And in the past decade or so, it's come up on Facebook comments and social media whenever I've like mentioned things that Jesus cares about and that maybe the democratic party had a good view on or a good policy issue on, well, you can't be a Democrat and be a Christian at the same time. So how dare you vote for them? You must not literally love Jesus. And most of that talk was centered around abortion, Abortion. which we're actually going to do an episode on in three weeks or the boogeyman of socialism and Marxism. Yeah. I mean the, the, the idea of a single issue voter that was probably it right there. It's like, it does not matter who the candidate was or what the rest of the platform was. You had a single issue. And like you said, it was usually abortion or it was like the boogeyman of the the Marxist socialist leftist, you know, the atheist, so to speak, because you mm-hmm. just assumed everybody who did not vote red was an atheist. Which we're going to get into that more next week when we talk about Christian nationalism and the background behind that, because yeah. that atheism actually plays a bigger part than I think even I realized. But to go back to where we started last week, most of us who are listening to this were raised by people who grew up under the influence of the moral majority. And the leader of the moral majority, Jerry Falwell Sr., said, We're fighting against humanism, we're fighting against liberalism. We are fighting against all the systems of Satan that are destroying our nation today. Our battle is with Satan himself. So without blatantly saying it, many in the conservative right, especially the further right, were taught that 
liberalism, anything liberal or not super conservative, was at best anti-gospel or at worst directly from Satan. Yeah. And what was interesting is like, you can't really even nail people down for what that means. Even, you know, I think we talked about this before too, or it's like CRT. What does that mean? There's not a really good definition for it. When somebody throws around the word woke or somebody throws around the word liberal, at least or the not left, people who criticize it. Yeah. yeah. Th- those so things I'm, have definitions, but the ones who correct. criticize it, it's just become a boogeyman. Yeah. It, it's just the scapegoat for it. And so if you're sitting here wondering, was I influenced and raised by this? Think about it. If, if you yourself, depending on your age, you yourself, or your parents, or maybe your grandparents, but most likely your parents, if they consider Ronald Reagan the best, or probably now the second best president that they've had in their lifetime, <laughs> then yes, this this affects you. Because the moral majority of the religious right was right. I mean, that's basically what got Reagan elected, so to speak. And so this um, this deifying of Ronald Reagan as the Republican Jesus. No, nah, I won't say, I won't go that far because there's another Republican Jesus that has been elected recently where it's like that Reagan, if Reagan was the hero and like, man, if we could just go back to Reaganomics or a Reagan Republican, if you consider yourself a Reagan Republican, this is you. And I think the well, other Dr. thing we- Fall said that there were polls that said without the influence of the moral majority, Jimmy Carter would have won in 1980 oh, yeah. by like one or two. Yep. So he he fully takes credit for it. Yeah. And I mean, if you look at afterwards, uh, you know, if you look at like Jimmy Carter's life after being a president, it's like, dude is an evangelical Christian to the core that cares about Jesus. <laughs> and it's like there's and it's like 90 years old building houses. Right, yeah, in the Georgia ex- exactly. And the the one story I saw too, he was on a he was flying uh he was flying, you know, commercial on a plane and he stopped and he talked to every single person getting off that plane who wanted to talk to him. What a dude anyway, but the issue here. So we're, we're establishing this base um, that we have been raised in what we're coming from. The other thing that I want to recognize is not only do our, our policies, our political beliefs, they're highly influenced by Jerry Falwell, the religious right, that area, but it's also based on, uh, I mean, our background, where we come from and largely based on our race. So when we split that political divide, a lot of people think it's Christian versus non-Christian. When in reality, when you look at it, and we look at this uh, Pew Pew survey from uh, it's a 2020 released in 2020, so this was like right after you know the election. If you look at it, white evangelical Protestants, 78 percent Republican or Republican leaning, 17 percent Democrat Democrat leaning. So that's white. Black Protestants, 84 percent Democrat or lean Democrat, 10 percent. Republican or lean Republican. And as you speak, I tell you, you the go, thing I find most interesting about that. Yeah. Yeah. So if you look at those stats, we're both looking at the same chart right here. Uh, the graph we're looking at goes from 1984 through 2019. Black yep. Protestant went from 82 to 84% Democrat, yep. <laughs> 11 to 10% Republican. So they've yep. been pretty consistent since yep. 1994. In 1994, white evangelical Protestants were 61% Republican, 31% Democrat. In 2019, they were 78% Republican and 17% Democrat. So this tribalism that we're talking about today has gotten significantly worse yes. over the last uh, 20 years. It has grown amongst, by 17%. Amongst white evangelical Protestants. Yes. So yeah, the black Protestants have stayed the same. 
white has gotten even further to the right. And then even if you look at like Hispanic, you know, Hispanic Catholics, which we can argue all day about Catholicism versus Protestant, but their line is still like 66 to 68 percent Democrat. So if you look every white category, the majority of white Christians, um, whether it's Catholics or Protestants, the white Christians, non-evangelical or evangelical, are still a majority Republican. And any non-white, uh, according to Pew, are majority of Democrat. And so when you listen well, to- Well, and white Catholics guy, grew from a, a split 45-45. Yeah. In 1994. And they're now 57% Republican, 38% Democrat. Yeah, so this so, is very much based on racial lines. Yeah. there it's It has a lot to do with your, with your race and your race, racial background. I think that that's something that we have to at least acknowledge. I don't know that we can assign, like, it's not like you can assign a moral side either way or make a commentary on it, but at least acknowledge. Causation or correlation. Like, yeah. At least acknowledge that's, that's where you're at. And so when I hear someone like Greg Locke say what he says, and like, you cannot be a Christian and vote Democrat. What he's saying, whether he means to or not, which I want to give him the benefit of the doubt, but I'm guessing he means to. I'm not giving him this. He means it. He means it. Absolutely. (laughs) Greg Locke means it. Is 85% of black Protestants are not Christians. He's coming from a perspective where he's saying 85% of black Protestants are not Christians um, and 68% of Hispanic Catholics are not Christians. So that's looking at your brothers and sisters who don't look like you and saying, I'm sorry, but you can't be a Christian. And I think that that I don't because think, of I know, how you view the role of government, be, because of how you vote, because of where your political affiliations lie, you cannot be a Christian. And if if you're in the audience right now and you're going, yeah, that sounds about right. Like you agree with Greg Locke, like send us an email and let us know why. Like, I just need to know why, because like, if that doesn't stop you for a second and go, huh, that rhetoric is probably dangerous and not at all in line with what Jesus told us. Because here's the thing. I, I put this later in our notes, but I think it goes better here is the one thing Jesus prayed for above all else was what unity amongst his believers. He looked at his disciples. He says, I pray that you would be unified as the father and I are one. You would be one as we are one. I pray that the church that we are building here would be unified as I am unified with my father in heaven. And it's like, if that's the number one thing that Jesus was concerned about when it came to what he prayed for, for his followers, and we're sitting here going, nope, 84% of our black brothers and sisters cannot be Christian because of the way that they vote. Uh, that should give you pause as a as a Christian, as a deconstructing Christian, as a, anything. You should stop and wonder why. And before we get into the back half of this episode, I want to take a quick minute to tell you about a new podcast launching Monday, November 7th called Unlearning Church Staff. One of the biggest groups leaving Christianity is made up of former church staff, whether paid or volunteer. In this new show, I'll be interviewing different people each week and talking to them about how they left church staff without leaving their faith. A preview episode is already out wherever you get podcasts. Once this episode is over, go subscribe to that new show so you get the first episode when it comes out on November 7th. That's Unlearning Church Staff coming out Monday, November 7th. That's it for me. Now we'll get back to this week's episode. So this tribalism, the the centered around in club versus out club, 
it's I'm trying to come up with how to say it other than saying it's just plain wrong. Yeah. Because at the end of the day, it's just plain wrong. Our identity is not in how we vote. It's not, we don't belong first to the political party we agree with the most. We identify first as Christ followers, as Christians. And so we have to get back to that and put that as our first identity. Because what has happened since 2015, 2016, because of this hypocrisy, where that gigantic growth in white evangelical Protestants going hyper-partisan, what that has led to is a generation of people, our generation, Eric, but especially the generation coming after us, have looked at how those people have said one thing and completed completely treated people differently, especially those who are different than them, different mm-hmm. race, different country with immigrants or minorities, LGBTQ community people. To see that hypocrisy, what that has done is for generations after us, it's swung the pendulum so far to the opposite side that there are now people who are saying, it is impossible to be a Christian and vote Republican. Yep. So we have we are swinging this thing so far back and forth that we're getting whiplash, and a lot of people are getting hurt in the process. Yeah, and I, it brings up a good quote that uh, that I remember from a couple of years back from Andy Stanley, where he asked in a sermon, he said, "Are we willing to be Christ followers first, and Republicans, Democrats, and Libertarians, and whatever else you might be second? Are we willing to follow Jesus?" Are we willing to follow Jesus when following Jesus creates space between us and our political party, space between us and our political platform, or the platform of our political party and space between us and our political candidate? And I think when it comes down to this issue of Republican, Democrat, tribalism, it's making us choose as Christians between are we really following Christ first or are we, and we've talked about this before, are we really using Christ and the gospel and the Bible to justify our own political background and beliefs? I like to say, are we American Christians or are we Christian Americans? Mm-hmm. And I'm a Christian before anything else. So that will be the first descriptor I have in my identity. Yep. And so when I look at it that way, I've got to look at the Bible first before my political party. There might be things I want politically, but because I follow Jesus and I'm commanded by him to care about certain people that are different than myself, it forces me into a position that maybe I don't want that's not best for me, mm-hmm. but makes me think of others. And so that has to come first. And I'm still wrestling with that myself. I mean, I come from a town that is 92% white that voted 77% conservative in the last election. I went to Liberty, got two degrees from there. They had a freaking think tank named after Jerry Falwell and Charlie Kirk, as Mm -hmm. far right as you can get politically pretty much. And so those things, that's how I was taught what was best. But as I've been unlearning youth group myself, as I've been unlearning some of those things I've been taught that maybe didn't line up with the Bible, 
I've had to ask myself, okay, does this political policy actually line up with what Jesus tells me to care about, or does it help me the most? Right. And what that has led me to believe is that there are multiple ways to apply our faith to government. That's what yeah. we're going to come back to regardless. Like I have, re- and let, let me stop real quick. What this has done, this pull since 2016, this tension, mm. because of the hypocrisy I've seen from those who are super conservative, the, the far right, the Christian nationalists, I don't want to be considered one of them. I don't want to be mistaken for one of them. And there's some danger in that thought process by thinking, I don't want to be with them. I'm categorizing them as their identity. I'm like, I'm saying their identity is not as a child of God, but as their political beliefs. So there is tension in that with me that I have pulled back from our relationships because I don't want to be associated with people who think or believe a certain way. And I have to ask myself in preparation for this episode, am I actually living the thing that I'm saying where I'm this, this whole episode is based around the tribalism and getting out of that. But in reality, I have personally self-selected who I've been around as well, because I don't want to associate with, or I don't want people to mistake who I am for the people I associate with. Yeah. And I think that's, uh, I saw, I saw Josh, it was uh, Josh Benson on TikTok. If you don't follow him, he's, he's hilarious. Uh, they do the church. Which one, stuff. Josh Benson, the rapper or Josh uh, Benson, the crapper. Uh, well, this was, accounts. yeah, this was on his, his backup or his spam account or whatever, his personal account. But, you know, he said he said this and, he, and I, I think it's true. He said, like, it, we, we've, we've got to examine this mentality online of people who come out and they say the church hurt me and I've been hurt. And this is how, you know, this is dangerous. And then in the and you go, yes, oh, man, I want to I want to step into that. And I agree with you and we should make this better Then the very next statement they say is it's full of a bunch of white nationalists, uh, Nazi fascists who just want to destroy the country and it's like whoa what do you do with that and i mean like ha- coming from church hurt myself i i get it but i think with what i what i'm identifying with what you're saying is in our critique of where maybe the more extreme on the right side of of churchgoers or christians we cannot do exactly what it is that we're telling them not to do we cannot Be also so you don't become the thing that you hate. Yeah, exactly. You know, so there's that other side of like, how can we, how can we, with good conscience, rationally speak out and say that is wrong, without then swinging the pendulum the other way? And like you said, either completely disassociating with, uh, which in some cases I think is our. I mean, in some cases you got to wipe the dust off your feet and you got to go, okay, like you know, racism literal fascism and nazism those are all those wrong. things are wrong i don't want to be around that right but but to throw around those words in the same way as you know the the far right would throw around crt or woke or progressive when you don't really know what that means or you're just demonizing them is not right either so and so I'm one old- of the points in next week's episode is that the left has done what the right did with crt with christian nationalism now they are saying anytime you put your Christian beliefs into politics or political policy, 
then that is inherently Christian nationalism, which it's right. not. And we have to right. be smart enough to to notice what the differences are. Yeah. Yeah. And and I would say that neither one of those approaches um, promote unity. Correct. Okay, so that was what was wrong. And if you're new with us, the way we do this is we introduce the topic, we talk about what was bad, then we try to find the good. We legitimately try to find the good intention underlying a bad approach. So Eric, I got nothing here. I tried (laughs) to find the good, but I am so anti-tribalism that I just couldn't find it. Yeah. Yeah. Can you find any good intention in this? approach yeah i mean i will admit that i got to be stretch armstrong here to get this reach this is like go go gadget arm to get this reach here but i will say yeah right i gotta do my yoga put make sure my shoulder doesn't go out of socket reaching so far but i think it is important to figure to, to you know when we're talking about the good intentions behind anything that we've done in the past few seasons it is tough in some places but it comes from it comes from a genuine spot even even if that seed is so, so tiny. So what I would say on the tribalism behind aligning yourself politically based on your religious beliefs, as much as we like, we would love for everyone to be fully educated on every single political issue and or like the candidate who comes out. I have to say that there there's probably a good intent behind um, party endorsements or individual candidate endorsements. So, you know, I'll admit there are times, I mean, there's plenty of times where I don't know everything about a particular issue. I don't know everything about a particular candidate and I'll ask somebody I trust, Hey, what do you think about so-and-so? And they can break it down because again, political candidates and political, even when they put out, you know, their policies that they're voting on, they have terrible marketing and PR, which we've gone about 20 minutes into our podcast without, admitting, <laughs> without, without recognizing Jonathan and I come from a marketing background anyway. But what happens is you end up talking to somebody and they give you a personal testimony or they give you a, a bullet point of what they understand. Now, I'm not saying that that's great, but there is something I think that this starts off with. I need to know how to vote. I want to know if my voting um, is in line with my with my religious and theological background. Let me ask someone in the church. And that happens enough that the church goes, okay, we're going to endorse this candidate. We're going to endorse this this policy but then it just becomes so lazy that it's like we're going to vote red no matter what we're going to vote blue no matter what and then it becomes so toxic that it's you vote red and anything else is of satan so i i don't know if that that probably doesn't sway you to think that there was a good under underlying approach but hopefully you could see there there was a shred of goodness maybe it makes me understand it even if I don't like it. Yeah, I got to massage my rotator cuff. I realized that stretch was a little, <laughs> little far, but I, I do. I don't think that I can be intellectually honest with myself unless I can successfully argue the other side. Correct. So if I was to say, if I was to sit down with a Greg Locke or Marjorie Taylor Greene or a, you know, first of all, that would be the worst lunch or coffee I've ever had, <laughs> probably. <laughs> but like Maybe Black Rifle coffee, though. Yeah, right. Oh, oh my gosh. Or Jerry Falwell, you know, uh, when he was building the religious right, the the good intention behind it is in that, like, we need to inform people how to vote based on their theology. 
Do I believe that that's the intention now? No, I believe that has been 100% co-opted and used for political gain and for power. But the the seeds of it, I think, come from an idea of how do we make sure that we can, um, you know, properly endorse certain candidates or certain policies to help inform our people. And I said last week, while I disagree with Dr. Falwell's approach to things and how he interpreted how we should apply the gospel in certain areas, I truly think he was doing what he thought was best At based time. on what he thought we needed. He repented a lot of, of a lot of things as he got older. Um, but the second generation, the Franklin Grahams, Billy Graham's son, the Jerry Falwell Juniors, those guys just want power and they want yep. divisiveness. And all that. so, so tribalism helps them. We will return to our conversation in just a second. But hey, Jonathan, do you remember the three S's of a successful youth group kickoff? I do not. Well, they would be snacks, sex series, and swag, because you know that every growing youth group had to have some sort of sick t-shirts, and now Unlearning Youth Group does too. So whether you want to show the world you were a former dodgeball champ or you survived purity culture, visit unlearningyouthgroup.com and get your very own t-shirt, tank top, or even crop top today. You can even send us your ideas for new merch at hello at unlearningyouthgroup.com. Now, back to the conversation. So we're going to go long today, obviously, but as we think about where we go from here, Tim Keller, the pastor of Redeemer Presbyterian in New York City, a liberal hotbed, he had the quote, <laughs> what? I don't know why I just, I immediately thought you were going to go on a Greg Locke type of rant about New York City and the liberals and the demonization of uh, of the inner city. I don't know why. No, gonna I was going to say... <laughs> So I'm not, I'm not editing this out. No. <laughs> I, I know you weren't going to, but I just like your the way you said it, a liberal hotbed. I was I was just ready for you to pound your fists and you know pull out the well, little sweat sweat. The thing hanky, I like about Tim Keller, dab your he brow. A very, he's a very liberal hotbed area, uh-huh. like yeah. New York City. All those welfare he, queens. <laughs> Go ahead. Yeah, keep but talking about yeah. He, and he comes at things from an academic standpoint, right. which most would think is a more liberal. Thing, but he holds to conservative theological views. Yes. So yes. I think it's important to point that out. He's not run from education. Mm-hmm. He thinks things at a scholarly level. He said, when you come to the Bible, you need to shake your mind free from human political categories of liberal, conservative. The Bible does not fit in them. Right. And you should not be trying to read the Bible through those kinds of lenses or those kinds of glasses. Excuse yeah. me. He's also quoted, I don't have the exact quote, but basically when someone asks you if you're a conservative or liberal, you should ask them on what issue. Yeah. And I don't know if he said conservative or liberal, but I, definitely if someone says, are, are you Republican or you know, do you align with the Republican Party, the Democrat Party, Libertarian Party, you definitely go on which issue. Because the whole point is that we are not aligned with individual parties. And I think one thing that we didn't even talk through in the Pew Research part but think about how many actual Christian denominations or, you know, sects of Christianity would say that they don't even vote. Like Jehovah's Witnesses, uh, devout Jehovah's Witnesses do not vote because they do not believe that, um, that in the political power structure other than Jesus. So even voting is not something they would go into. Amish people do not vote. They do not participate in that. And so there are 
Christians or at least Christian adjacent groups that their whole mindset is like, I'm not, I'm not aligning so far to the point that I'm not even voting. I'm not even participating in this because we cannot support this. Yeah. So when it comes to policy, there is a Christian approach on both liberal and conservative sides of most issues. Yes. Because of that, the rhetoric we use cannot and it should not demonize the other side who might have a difference of opinion on how to apply the gospel through government. Mm. And when I'm thinking about this, and I put this in our notes because like, I get to this point, and if you're sitting here listening, because I know, I, I know. I know some of the people that are listening. It's like, you're sitting here and you're going, well, no, how on earth could the Democrats be, be right about this? How on earth could there be a Christian side to uh, pro, you know, pro-choice? How on earth could there be a Christian side to whatever else? I want, if you're, if you're having a hard time with that, I want you to stop and ask yourself why. Why is it that you're giving pushback to this? Why is it that you cannot see it? And I think it goes back to what I talked about earlier. Like, if you can't intellectually put yourself in the mindset or the perspective of someone else, you either don't understand their side enough or you're protecting something that you're not admitting to yourself. That's like that, that is a dangerous section to get into. And in fact, uh, what's it? A Sam Harris quote here, Sam Harris, you know, famous atheist says, pay attention to the frontiers of your own ignorance. Where is that area where it's like, I can't possibly see the redeeming quality to this. Well, good. That's a flag. That means, okay, I don't understand this issue fully enough. You can still disagree with it. Sure. But you need to be smart enough to try to understand it. Yes. And because, A, if we're smart enough, but also if we are leading with Jesus Mm -hmm. in our political approach, our political speech is going to change. The way we talk about these things, the way we interact online or with friends It's going to change because if we lead with our Christianity, we will be striving to show the fruit of the spirit in how we discuss politics, love, patience, gentleness, kindness, generosity, self-control. So much of that doesn't come through in how we talk about politics. And so, of course, people don't believe that we actually care about Jesus if we are saying things like Sleepy Joe or Mm -hmm. Joe and the Hope. Uh-huh. Or demon rats. Yep. Or Eric's favorite welfare queens. I'm not going to read what he put in the notes next in big bold letters because I'm not going there. But the language we use in how we approach this topic should be representing Jesus, even when we disagree with someone's policies. Mm, yes, exactly. And like it just uh, again coming from the conservative background, right? So these are like, as much as I hate to admit it, these are my people I'm talking about, you know, uh, but it's, it's, it's my like, neighbor. Ta- yeah, it's, it's like talking about your crazy uncle or your crazy cousin or whatever. But man, when I see the t-shirts at Trump rallies, when I see these things where they're talking about, um, you know, Kamala Harris and how she rose to power and things like that. And like the derogatory things that are said about people. And I'm like, you with your Christian mouth are praising Jesus on Sunday. And then you are, you are singing w- worship songs while holding political flags and then saying, let's go, Brandon, which is uh-huh. code for F Joe Biden. Right. And calling a black woman a hoe and, right. and saying that the only way she got to be vice president was by sleeping around. And I mean, I 
Those things don't mix. Yes. And I won't say the full thing, I guess, that I put in the notes. But like when you're calling other dudes betas or the other, you know, hyphenated word that people are using, like when you're referring to people like that because they have it a rhymes with duck and starts with yeah, a C for beta, those of you who can't beta yeah. ducks uh, and, and things like that. it's like first of all you look like a moron stop it stop it you're just such an idiot for doing that but second of all it does not align it does not align with love patience gentleness kindness generosity and self-control it does not align with those things. Yes. And so if you value those political slogans and um, owning the libs more than you value love, patience, gentleness, kindness, self- generosity, and self-control, maybe you have an idolatry issue where you have put a policy or a political party or just your own way of life in an idol, in an in I- idolic position over Jesus. Yes. If you care about the gospel, and if you care about reaching people for Christ, you can't see the quote-unquote other party, whether that's Republican or Democrat, as your enemy. Yeah, You have to see them as someone who is a child of God, mm-hmm. made in his image, who has a different opinion politically than you. Yeah. Think about it this way. So, like, you go back to the Greg Locke quote, and you think Rant. there are... Pl- the brand. Yeah. There are plenty of people out there that would say, nope, the Democrats are too far gone. Right. And and I have, I have progressive liberal pastor friends that on Facebook, they are just as bad about the Republicans. Right. Yes. Then, and they say the exact same type of stuff. Nope. The Republicans, they're all evil. They're all of Satan and they're, and they're out, you know, they hate America and they hate people, blah, blah, blah. It's like, if Jesus H Christ can be, uh, <laughs> 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 if Jesus Christ can be up on the cross and with one of his last breaths can look down at the people who literally put nails in his hands and hung him up to be crucified and say through a Father, Roman torture device, which yes. is the gr- most gruesome way of killing someone in the history of mankind. If, if he can go, you know what? Forgive these people. I know if they're doing to me, the savior of the world, but they're not too far gone. Forgive them. Father, I want you to come and forgive them, and I still hope I see them in heaven. And he looks at a thief to his left, and he goes, "I'm I'm going to see you later. We're we're going to be in heaven. I don't care what you did, what it was like. We're if he can do that, then I think I can look at someone who has a differing political opinion, whether it's looking at for me looking at a Greg Locke or Marjorie Taylor Greene or anybody else who's out there saying anything they want to say about, and I can go, you know what, ah." I, I really hope that God does work in their heart and I'm, and I, I'm not going to demonize them. There may be some jokes, which I still have to admit about it, but like, I, I might disagree I, vehemently yes, exactly. with them, but I'm not going to go, I will critique and criticize what they say and what they do, but I will not critique who they are or criticize who they are as a person. And I'm and not going to go out separate and those two things. I'm not going to go out and buy a let's go Brandon flag and hang it on my you know, in front of my house, I'm not going to wear a Joe. Yeah. And I'm not going to wear a Joe and the hoe shirt. Like, do not do that. Those are people. Those are literal people that you are talking about and, and, and referencing. And and you've, and I'm also not going to call you a fascist just because you have conservative beliefs. If you're a fascist, I'll call you a fascist. Right. But just because you may think less government is better. I'm not going to call you that. 
Right. If you've dehumanized these people to the point that you feel comfortable saying those things about them, that is a heart check issue that it is time. If you consider yourself a Christian, full stop, go back, love, patience, gentleness, kindness, self-control, generosity. No, there wasn't a, yeah, but unless they insert whatever. Ultimately, we have to lead and show grace upon grace upon grace to the other political side. And that means we have to seek justice, mercy, and kindness more than we seek power and control. And that's hard. But if we're going to claim Christ first, we are commanded to do that. And we cannot do that while having tribal political parties. Mm-hmm. That's it for this week. Next week is going to be a doozy. Uh, I mentioned a couple of times, but it, next week we're hitting what might be the most important episode of the season where we try to tackle the subject of Christian nationalism. We'd love to hear back from you on anything we said today. So you can reach out at hello at unlearningyouthgroup.com or on social media. I am at Jonathan underscore Carone on all the major platforms. Eric is at Eric W712. Subscribe to the show, rate us, review us, share this with a friend who may be in this same boat that we're all in right now. But we thank you for hanging out with us a little longer than normal. And we'll talk to you next week. Da, 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 da. Damn, I'm glad I